0: Uh, a while back, I, I started uh, uh, a bit of an occasional series uh, called Worcester Loves Money, uh, because it does. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and uh, I, I want to do the, the third part, possibly the final, I, I don't know, I see if I get inspired. Uh, but the third part of that this morning, that the first talk was called Less is More. And um, we looked at things like, like Jesus said, life isn't made up of the amount of stuff you've got the abundance of your possessions most most of the western world thinks that's what life is it's the amount I can accumulate uh, but Jesus said no it isn't and we looked at a wonderful verse the key verse was in Ecclesiastes that says it's actually better to have one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with striving and chasing after the wind and, and we just asked ourselves do we really believe that Do we actually believe that less can sometimes be more, that one handful and the ability to use the other hand to give some of it out or help someone up or put an arm around the shoulder is actually better than two handfuls with a lot of hassle, worrying about whether you can keep it or all the rest of it. So that was what we looked at the first time and we set ourselves a challenge, you know, could we do with less? Could we do with decluttering our lives and living more simply and so on? The second talk was on a different subject. Was, we called it Stress is Bad, which is, which is the fact that no one ever woke up in the morning and thanked God for their overdraft. No one ever said, I'm really grateful this has made my marriage so much better. Uh, no one ever did that. And uh, so we looked at the fact that the Bible says that the, the borrower is servant to the lender. That that to to the degree that we owe lots of stuff everywhere, we're in bondage until we're able to relieve ourselves of of that servanthood, that slavery. And uh, we looked at some prayers we could pray financially, like, Lord, help me to understand. Help me to understand. Uh, And we looked at things like the the fact that money's never still. If you owe it, it's getting more that you owe. If you're saving it, it's getting more that you save. That, uh, that That it needs using, that it's a dynamic thing. Uh, and we uh, we looked at three buckets really and, and the second prayer was Lord give me a plan give me a plan for spending give me a plan for saving and give me a plan for giving that was the kind of area we were looking at these are on the website well they may be I haven't looked but they should be on the website somewhere if you want to find them uh, and today I want to look at the third subject it leads naturally on which is giving is good giving is good so i uh, Uh, it's interesting those three statements I think most of us would believe the second one stress is bad oh yeah question mark on whether we actually believe that less can be more and and here's the one to ask yourself do I believe that giving is good it's it's a good thing to do in the eyes of God, but it's also good fun. It's a great thing to do. So the key verse this morning is found in Acts twenty thirty-five, where reporting the words of Jesus, someone says, Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, It's more blessed, which means three times more happy, more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed, more happy to give, Than to receive. Now, notice. I just want to say it is a blessing to receive. Just in case you want to give me anything. (laughs) No, not really. It is. It is a blessing to receive. I had a birthday recently, fifty-eight. Who'd believe it? I know most of you. But anyway, I had a birthday. It was great to receive. It was great to receive cake. It's a particularly nice thing. It was great to receive some books because I'm a reader. It's great to receive some music CDs. Great to receive the affection of my family. It was just—it's just—it is nice to receive. I can remember when I was in my in my twenties and um, studying th- theology and leadership in, in London. I, I, I once I once was asked to go and preach on the south coast. my my little Renault 4 made it to the south coast but I knew when I set out I didn't have enough petrol to get back again I knew I could get there I didn't know how I'd get back again and so I I just I just prayed and 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 you know you, you you sort of hope let you into a secret when you go and preach in a strange place there's a load of places that actually you'd be out of a pocket doing it so but that's that's another whole subject so i was sort of hoping sometimes a treasurer will come up to you with a little brown envelope as if it's something shameful give you a little and and mutter as if it's a bad thing but anyway that didn't happen so I I preached and and and, uh, I hope I did that to serve God but in the back of my mind I'm thinking God I did pray to you I really did pray to you I need I need some money to get back to London what am I going to do I'm here on the south coast it's fifty some odd miles back back to where I live. What am I gonna do? And then some great guy that I never I didn't know, I had no relationship with him, came up to me and said Go to the petrol station. Good preach. Go to the petrol station say my name and they'll fill your car up. So I, yes <laughs> I could have kissed him. So I don't do that, so I didn't. But, but just it just that was great to receive that's a wonderful thing isn't it when you're in need and you receive something some of us are in the position of needing to receive that's okay it's okay to go to God and say Lord Lord I'm in need please supply my need so it's great to receive but what this verse is saying is it's even better when we give it's a wonderful thing when we give I remember a few years ago when that horrible tsunami. How do you say it? Tsunami, that's it. Sorry. That tsunami happened, and, and, and we just spontaneously said, Right, next week, let's have a gift day. And it was just a remarkable amount of money that people's hearts wanted to give out of compassion and mercy and love for people in terrible circumstances. And, and we sort of rose, we we're at our best, we rose to the occasion and we gave. And no one was miserable because you just felt the kind of buzz you get when you do something that God likes there's something good about it, there is something that's a blessing, there's no need to be embarrassed about it, it it's a buzz to do, you think, oh, we got something right, that's really good, I Get so much wrong, but we got this one right, we've given, and it's, it's, it was a really happy thing to do. I feel like that about every gift day, by the way. I, I just really enjoy gift days. It's a great blessing, it's a happy thing, and it impacts people's lives. I heard a story this week about a young church planter. He was starting his church. His, the, the, the money that got in in the offering didn't cover his expenses. They were going through a tough time. And, and then his car broke down. And he took his car to the garage. And, um, a, and then you know that feeling when you, when you hope it's just a bit of wire that's loose And then someone tells you that the big end left-hand widget is in trouble or something that you don't understand. But you know you can see pound signs in front of your eyes. And and, and that's what happened to him. And and the garage owner saw that his face was fell because there was absolutely no way he could afford to replace the car. But there was no way he could afford to repair the car either. And, And then he didn't know, but the garage owner was a Christian. And the garage owner said to him, I know what you're doing. I know what you're trying to do, and I, I know you're trying to do it in a difficult part of town. So, this one's on us. Amazing. That was that was that was the blessing of receiving. And the pastor that was telling this story was then wound on, I think it was 15 or 16 years later, and he, he was now paid very well, this was one of the larger churches in town, they, they had resources, they were, they were doing, doing well, and, it, and he went to some sort of tires and exhaust repair place, and, and there was a single parent in front of him, and, and she was receiving similar news. And she was crestfallen, she was a bit tearful, and the guy said, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm really sorry, I, I don't know what to do, why don't you get a free cup of coffee over there and we'll talk again in a bit. And, and, and he was queuing up and, and, and it was as if God said to him, now's the time, that's what he got, now's the time. So she was over in the corner with the hot chocolate crying and trying to collect herself, and uh, so he went up to the guy and he said, um, I want you to tell that lady today's a two-for-one deal someone else has paid twice so you don't pay at all and and what he said was this I found it more exciting to pay for hers than when someone else had paid for mine do you see that it's a great story isn't it It's it's saying hey it really is more blessed when you can give than receiving, although both are a blessing, but it's more blessed to give than to receive. When you give, it impacts people's lives. When you give, it gives you a wonderful sense of being in the purposes of God. And here's a promise for givers. It's from 2 Corinthians 9 verse 11. It's only for generous givers, by the way. So that's what the passage is about. It's about people that that don't sow sparingly but are, are generous givers. And he says in 2 Corinthians 9, you will be enriched in every way, which is interesting. He's not saying it's a savings account. You pay in this, you get back that. But he's saying in every way, in all sorts of areas, you could translate it, you'll be enriched so that you can be generous on every occasion. That's great, isn't it? And through us, your generosity well that's through us he means the leadership that's involved in this particular incident your generosity will result in thanksgiving to god in other words when we give and when we give generously it not only gives us a a buzz it not only blesses the heart of god but he says i'll make sure if you're generous that you can be generous next time too that you can continue to be generous it's like sowing. if you sow a little well then There's no way you're going to reap a lot. But if you sow generously, I'll enlarge your store of seed so you can be generous on every occasion. And what's more, people will worship God because of it. Isn't that interesting? That our giving results in people saying, hey, thank God for them. Thank God for the person that that provided that food. Thank God for the person that helped me with my car bill. Thank God for the person that built this building. And I've become a Christian in it. It results in praise to God. It's a great promise there. So here's my next question. If that's true, if if generous giving results in praise to God, satisfaction within, people's needs being met, why don't we give more? Maybe not a question you've ever asked yourself, but I'm asking it. If that's true, if really we are three times happier giving than receiving, if people's needs are met, if praise goes to God and He's glorified and He meets our need, why is it we don't give more? I thought of three reasons. Number one, we may just be struggling. And in, in a congregation this size, some of us will be struggling, struggling for, for money. We feel we don't have enough ourselves and i understand that and let me say this generosity isn't about the amount you give generosity is your attitude to what you do have you see so there's no comparison with others who can give more it's not about size of gift it's a heart issue maybe we feel we don't have enough maybe some of us have thought hey i've heard about times where where this message about giving it's really been abused i've got a Genesis CD at home, the band, not the Bible book. Um, and and there's, one, there's one track on that that's, that's a caricature of, of, of someone that's abusing Christian finance. And, and, and in the sort of musical interlude halfway through, a voice comes up and it says, Now get out of your seats and, uh, and give so I can build my theme park for the Lord. And I can fill my limousines for the Lord. Now, it's a sort of slightly naughty song, but it's drawing attention to people that have abused the whole idea of giving. That can be something that's in the back of our mind, I have, well, but what, where's it going? So just if you're like that, hope no one here is, but if you are, just to say, all our banking and accounting is scrutinized, scrutinized from within the church, but then it's, then it's all the accounts are available. You can look them up online if you want to, at Charity's House or Company's House, or, or if you ask Dan nicely, I will give you a copy of them. So, so, so that's not happening. We're really careful how we give. feel really responsible for what you generously donate, either to the building fund or to the general fund. But that may affect some people. Other people, I think, and I come from a family background of this, have a, what I call a scarcity mindset. And often that's to do with how we've lived my mum was really poor I mean very very poor where you took your old clothes and put it through sackcloths to make your mats in the house that kind of poor subsistence type poor and then of course she went through the the, the depression thing and and rationing during the war so my mum was incredibly careful about everything just everything I mean there were wet potato peels put on the fire at night so the coal would burn more slowly all, all that kind of thing there was I mean when we cleared the house when she died you wouldn't have believed some of the tin food that went back to the 1980s and this was like five years ago we, we, we inherited about 35 cans of prunes <laughs> and I'm working okay if you get my drift so you now what we do with those we just but but there was always like you think the sugar sugar up under the stairs a stack of sugar why is that well because in 1978 there was a shortage yeah but but, 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 there's not a shortage now. No, no, but you can't be too careful. When my when mum my heard that I was giving, when I just, just discovered it in the Bible and started giving, she was horrified. She's a Christian lady. She gave every week to the church. She gave every week. When she heard, she said, you're giving what? Oh, you'll never. And sort of spoke words over me that I just didn't believe. you'll never own anything, you'll never go anywhere you won't be able to run a car, you won't have a house where does that come from? that comes from a bad experience of scarcity that's where it really is rooted so maybe some of us have got that kind of mindset rather than an abundance mentality See, an abundance mentality is God gave me this so I can give some of it He he lets me keep a whole lot of it and where that came from there's an awful lot more because he's not skint he's God he owns the cattle on a thousand hills I don't know how many cows that mounts up to but they're about a thousand pounds apiece so anyway he's got limitless resources limitless so it's a different mentality and here's another different mentality thing is this rather than thinking I've got this and someone wants to take some of it or wants me to give some of it how about this I've been blessed so that I can be a blessing. Oh, that's a different way of thinking of it, isn't it? I've been blessed with 10 quid, 100 quid, 1,000 quid, 100,000 quid, whatever it is you've been blessed with. I've been blessed. And the reason I've been blessed by God is so that I can be a blessing to other people with everything I've got, the gifts I've got, the time I've got, the love I've got, the capacity I've got, the money I've got. That's why he's blessed me. That's what God said to Abraham, wasn't it? When he left Ur, which wasn't a mistake, even though it says Ur. He left, he was erring, so he left. And and, and God said to him, I'm going to bless you. And he did, he became a rich guy with um, animals. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you a blessing. I've, I've taken that one for myself, personally. I'm going to bless you, not just financially, but in, in any way. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you a blessing. It's a whole different attitude to what we've been given. And the truth is, God often provides for people, and especially for his people, through his people. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you a blessing. So the truth is this. When you give, it will be a blessing, whenever you give it will be a blessing but when you give you will also be blessed that's why giving is such a great thing when you give you'll be blessed but it will also make you a blessing here's a wisdom verse from the book of proverbs on this theme of giving is good proverbs 11 24 and 25 one person it's an observation on life one person gives freely yet gains even more another person withholds holds back unduly but still comes to poverty <laughs> it is a bit like school, yeah. a generous person will prosper whoever refreshes others will be refreshed isn't that a lovely verse whoever refreshes others will be re- refreshed put it another way and shift it around a bit the stingy live in a shrinking world Put it in a slightly odd. If we hold back and and preserve, our world shrinks. If you give, as we of a church as a church try to give, your world grows. The world of the generous gets larger. That's so true. When you give, the thing you give to you become interested in, or the person you give to, you become interested in, your world gets bigger. When you hold back, your world shrinks to you and your stuff. When, when you give, think of how much we've, we've given, invested in leadership training in Uganda and Rwanda. When you give, that's made our world bigger. There are people thanking God for us in those countries. When you give to education over there through Ken and Heather and that kind of stuff, that our world has grown, hasn't it? There are people that come and visit us, that know us and love us. So giving makes our world bigger. That's true of a church. When a church gives, its ministry grows. When a church withholds, its ministry shrinks. For spiritual reasons and practical reasons. Because you can't do stuff. But for spiritual reasons, because God blesses those who give. So how do we grow in generosity? well uh, when i explain this i I usually talk about a journey because in a congregation we'll all be at different stages and that's absolutely fine some of us will be people that when we're inspired we put something in the bucket or when we feel guilty maybe we put something in the bucket there's better ways of dealing with guilt by the way that's what the communion table was about but 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 that's what we do sometimes oh that was a good one or i feel stirred by that cause i give i that's well, well done that's great if we journey forward in our Christian lives it's good to be regular givers so some people will be thinking now I, I want to put something in most weeks Well, maybe every week that's good that's, that's, you're journeying on in, in that journey of becoming a giver other people say no, I want to be a proportionate giver I want, I want, every time I earn I want to give this percentage I want to keep giving away I want to, I want to tithe I want, I'm, I'm earning loads more now I could do more than that I want to give this percent or that percent that's really good and then there's what the Bible calls generous or hilarious, literally, hilarious givers. Whoopee, I can give some more away. Yes, what do I give away next? I'm looking for something. What can I give to? Oh, that's good. Let's send a missionary to Afghanistan. Yes. Oh, that's great. Let's build a building in, I don't know, lower somewhere. That's a, now, the truth is, unlike becoming, you know, when you become a Christian, you become a Christian when you got baptised, you've got baptised you remember being wet you can't go back and get unbaptized. but, but with giving, you can journey into it but you can, you can go to and fro you can be a really generous giver and then find that you're back to oh, oh yeah I don't do that anymore do I? So it, 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 we move to and fro but, but my aim and longing is that we go from occasional giver to regular giver, to proportionate givers to excellent givers and I, I want to talk just for a few moments about About tithing, which is proportionate giving. I'm pleased that the Bible talks about tithe, because I'm not very good at maths. But I can move the decimal point along one. Ten percent, I get that. I I get that if if I've got a tenner, I can move the decimal point along and give one point. If I've got a hundred, I could give ten. If I've got a thousand, I could give a hundred. That I understand. It's made perfect for people that aren't very good at maths. So in the Old Testament, that was part of the law, Leviticus 27. A tithe of everything belongs to the Lord. It's not he's asking. No, it's his. It belongs to the Lord. It's set apart or wholly devoted to him. So technically, it's not even mine. It's his. So, so, so that's, that's what a tithe is. So I return it to him as an act of worship, as a thank you for giving me the 100%. Thank you for keep letting me keep the 90%. This is yours. So as an act of worship and dependence, I give it back to him. That teaches me that all I've got is from him. What do we have that God hasn't given us? Well, only our sin, really. And he takes that off us if we ask him. He will provide. And by faith, I've discovered it's a weird thing, but I can do better with the 90% than I could with 100%. That's divine mathematics. You can do better with 90% than 100%. Nelson Searcy, or Searcy, I don't know how you pronounce it, says this. Systematically acknowledging God as the source of their money and returning their money to him as an act of worship draws the heart of men and women closer to his heart. Isn't that really good? So systematically bringing our money, returning it to him as an act of worship, but a habitual act of, of worship, draws us closer to our heart now I know there'll be some of us that are theologically minded and they'll be saying isn't that a bit isn't that law isn't that a bit mm, not so sure about that but the interesting thing is it it started way before the law actually Abraham was the first person who gave a tenth of everything to Melchizedek the priest and the, the reason he did it was there'd been a rescue his family had been rescued And he was thanking God for a great victory over a number of kings and this family rescue. And as a response to God, he gave a tithe. So it wasn't legalistic. It was a response to God's rescue. It's just the same reason as I give. It's a response to the grace and the mercy and the love of God. It's also, interestingly, the only thing we're encouraged to test God out on. You know, we're not supposed to sort of test God, are you? You're not supposed to put him to the test. and that's what I think that Bible says that. Don't test the Lord your God. But Malachi 3 verse 10 says this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there'll be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I won't open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there won't be room enough to share it isn't that interesting so if you're the sort of person that's thinking i quite like to do that but i'm not sure about it it's a bit painful well firstly if you're if you're married but your other half isn't a christian you know don't do it if it's going to cause you tons of hassle that's just a quick pastoral comment it's got to be talked about and agreed on but isn't it wonderful if we're in a position where we could do it how about this I don't know if this is sound or not so you can stone me afterwards but how about this why don't you do it for three months and see what happens what? why don't you wouldn't it be fun some of you don't look like it. it would be fun why don't you why don't you say hey i'll test god out for three or four for the next three or four months i'll i'll test i'll see what happens i can't see how it'll work out okay well test him see if what he says is true If I was a betting man, I'd bet you, but I'm not a betting man, that's naughty, so I won't. But test him, why not? I dare you. Are you allowed to do dares in church? Oh, okay. I'll take your word for it. Okay. I dare you. See how it goes. The principle is this, worshipping God with the first and the best, and trusting him to bless the rest. That rhymes worshipping God with the first and the best and trust in him to bless the rest. Now some of you thinking, what, are you telling me to rearrange the whole of my life around God? Yes, that's the point, that is, that is exactly the point, that's what I'm encouraging us all to do. Let's rearrange all of our lives around God. I've got a great quote here from John D. Rockefeller who was a millionaire or a billionaire or something like that. He said this, it's a great quote. I would never have been able to tithe my first million dollars. There's a thought. I would never have been able to tithe my first million dollars I ever made if I had not tithed my first salary which was $1.50 a week. He started early. My testimony was, I read about Abraham when I was about 14. I did a paper round. That's all I did. And, and I was one of those kids that, to be honest, if I had a football, I didn't care about anything else. I didn't, I didn't have lots of wants. It's just the way, I uh, just simple little lad really. So as long as I had a football to bash against the garage door, break the roses, and generally annoy my mother, I was happy. <laughs> so I, I saw this thing about Abraham giving a tithe and I thought, oh, that would be fun. Let's try, let's try that. And and that's when my mum got horrified. And when I went to work and continued it, in fact, I went through a little stage when I was about 17 where our church did a building project and I thought, I don't really need any of this because I've got a football. (laughs) So just just shove it all in. And my mum freaked her out, bless her heart. She's with the Lord now. We'll chat about it later. Freaked her out. But so, so, I, so, and it, so I, bl- I agree with Nelson Rockefeller I've never got to the million I'm not going to it's not the way I'm built but, but if you start with the $1.50 it's so much easier to carry on so, much, so, so some of us think I'll start that when no, no don't start that when because you'll never start it just start it try out God and test him in this uh, at our wedding when, when Debbie and I married <coughs> we, um, we, we said some extra vowels based on Proverbs um, 3 verse 9 which says honour the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits the first and the best of your crops then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine which sounds rather nice bit of Merlot and and we made this promise to try and guard our our hearts from the fear that tries to get security from the increase of wealth I can't remember that it was better worded than that. That was a good promise for a young married couple to make. To try and guard our hearts from the fear that tries to accumulate things to get security. Rather than being generous to God. It was a, it was a good vow, wasn't it? We tried to keep it. Here's, here's the last thing just about tithing and I'll move on. Jesus seems to approve of tithing. There's a very funny incident with the Pharisees in Matthew 23:23, 23, 23, Where Jesus says this, you should tithe. But you shouldn't leave the more important things either, undone either, like mercy, justice, and faithfulness. So you've got these very religious people, the Pharisees and the scribes, looking at the Scriptures. And and they've they've got these pots of herbs on their doorstep. Can you imagine? Here's a little pot of of, um, chives. Here's a nice bit of rosemary growing in the Mediterranean air. There's a bit of this. And they're, they're looking at this and thinking... Ooh, better tithe, let's get that pot of, now 50% would be half a pot of chives, 25% would be quarter of a job of five. So, ooh, that's, uh, that's uh, 12.5% would be an eighth, or is it a, oh, I've got to start again. And then they're getting their scissors out, snipping, it's, oh, there we are, Jim, is my tithe of chives this week. I oh, hope you enjoy those. And, and then now, now to the rosemary, ah, oh, where's my... Cutters, oh right, and now a quarter of a bush and a half a bush. And as and this sort of is quite funny, and, and that they're, they're, they're religiously motivated to keep all the rules. That's not what I'm talking about. I don't want us to be religiously motivated. He said, Hey, now you ought to do that. Tithing, oh, yeah, fine, do that. That's a good thing. But, but don't leave the important things undone, like being merciful and being faithful and being just. They're the really important things but in saying that Jesus said oh, don't neglect those things I don't think he's too worried about the chives but don't neglect, don't neglect giving regularly and systematically and proportionately no, do that but then love each other and be faithful and be loving and kind and gracious and just do you see what he's saying so, so, so it's, grace goes way beyond the law so I don't want us to be legalistic. But, but here's the thing. I read this week, so I did some research on it. I couldn't find any on the UK. In America, Christians give roughly between 2 and 2.5% of their income to the cause. Now, here's my question. How can it be under grace we respond less well than under legalism? How, how, can, we, how can we give a quarter under, legalism, uh, under grace... Of what, we, what the Old Testament Jews did under legalism. That's balmy. When God, is, as Demon was pointing out, is pouring out His goodness and His kindness and His love upon us, it makes no sense. That's why when Jesus met Nicodemus, who's hiding up a tree for shame, and invited him to his house and, and, and showed his Savior's love to a crooked man who is in, in league with Rome and ripping people off on their taxes, where, what did, what, what did grace do? Jesus just accepted him. He said, I, I want to eat with you. I want to come to your house and sit down and have a meal with you. That was showing acceptance. And when he saw the acceptance of a saviour, this was his response. I want to give 50% of everything to the poor. That, that wasn't the law. That was the effect of the goodness and the love and the grace of God upon his life. So I don't want anyone to be restricted by a tithe or feel bound by law to tithe it's a response to the grace and the kindness of God so let's find ways to give that's all on tithing I just found some stories I wanted to share with you this week about the way people have been enabled to give stories about some building fund giving actually I, I read of one man who sold a boat by the way if you own a boat I'm not getting at you okay you enjoy your boat and do what God says I had someone else who extended their mortgage. They went into the mortgage and said, "If I if I give fifteen pounds extra over the next twenty years, what could I borrow to give?" to That's quite interesting. I I heard of someone else who sold a f- football season ticket. It's only Arsenal, so it doesn't matter. So <laughs> <laughs> if it was Liverpool, it'd be even more generous, obviously. I I, I found I found that they used to. When I was at Bible College, I used to give tables of books. When I presume pastors had died and gave their books to the college and no one knew what to do with them. So we used to get free books. And I, I found I had a first edition of A Life of Christ. First edition signed by the author. That wasn't worth a lot. It was about 100 quid or something, but I got it for free. So I was able to sell that and give to a previous um, building fund. I, I had a friend called Mary... Who, who, as she was praying, the Lord said to her, You don't really need that kitchen refit yet, which she was a bit disappointed with, actually. She struggled a bit and then gave the money that she'd saved up for her kitchen refit. The funny story is, three years later, a distant relative came to stay with her in the house and said, Oh, Mary, you could really do with a new kitchen. I'll give you the money. It's good, isn't it? I've told the story before about Terry, Terry Virgo, in the worship time when they were singing, uh, I. Some sort of song of surrender, I, I give you it all, Lord. And the Lord just whispered in his ear, do you really mean that, Terry? And he said, yes, Lord, I do. And he said, thank you, I'll have the ISA. <laughs> That's really sneaky. I, I heard of someone in Thailand who was there. There was a building project in the church there. And, and I was deeply moved by this. Someone that had been saving for an artificial limb uh, and pff, just gave their money. That's a sacrifice, isn't it? huge sacrifice i was in south africa once when they're taking an offering and a guy that was unemployed had almost nothing came and put his rather nice guitar in the offering that meant a huge amount to him jewelry all sorts of things i don't know king you know king solomon gave a thousand bulls if you've got a thousand bulls let me know it's a cattle market down the road but the widow gave just one coin So it's not about amounts Jesus, looking, said, this lady, this lady here, she's given more than everybody else. She gave one little coin, but, but it was, proportionately, it was sort of all she had. Let's find a way to, good, to give, one way or another. Be generous, because God is. That's my final point. Giving is more than a responsibility, it's a privilege, it's a joy. It's an evidence of our faith. And it would be wrong to finish on anything else but just reminding ourselves that God gave His one and only Son, didn't He? He is the supreme example. God demonstrated His love for us in this while we were still sinners. He gave Christ to die for us. So we will never, ever outgive God. He gave His Son so that all our sin, all our shame can be taken away. And the only response really is to turn from our sins and give our whole selves to God. Really, everything else I've spoken about this morning is just a, just follows on from that. God is generous. He gave us his son. Let's pray, shall we? I like to pray for those who are fearful of scarcity. And I uh, just want to pick up the prophecy that was sung about Jesus triumphing over death as well. I just feel I ought to pray for for some who are just frightened of dying the Bible talks about those who all all their lifetime were in bondage because of their fear of death but Jesus Jesus breaks the power of death of course we're uncertain because we don't get a dress rehearsal but he's proved there's a a way through he's the first fruits of those that have died alive from the death let me just pray you fit into either of those categories, fearful of scarcity or fearful of death, just let me pray for you now. Holy Spirit, come and help us. Lord, we all have our vulnerabilities. I pray for those who, perhaps for very good historic reasons, are fearful of lack. Fearful of not having enough. Holy Spirit, come and help them in their thinking. Help them in their feeling that sense of panic and fear that can grip our hearts we thank you that you are a good God thank you that you've promised that you will supply all our needs according to your riches in glory so I pray for those who struggle with the fear of scarcity that you would help them to fight the fight of faith to believe and to trust in you I pray for testimonies from those people who at the moment are nervous, scared, fearful of the future, fearful about provision, that in the future they would be testifying. This is what happened. This is how God has supplied my need. This is what he's enabled me to do. And I pray for any who are in fear, bondage, because of a fear of death. Well, thank you that, Lord, the the sting of death is guilt, punishment. Thank you that you've taken that away in Jesus. Thank you that we have nothing to fear. Thank you, Jesus, that you've paved the way. You're the first fruits. You're risen from the dead, as Jane was singing earlier, Lord, that you are risen, that there's now a king who's alive and well and in the room. We place our trust in you and we, we say to that fear, be gone, no right to be here. We, we follow a risen saviour who's alive and well and working on planet earth. Our future is to go and be with him and forever to be with the Lord. So Father, we just thank you for your amazing sacrifice on the cross. Thank you that when we survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, our richest gain, we count but loss, pour contempt on all our pride. Thank you, Lord, that love so amazing, so divine, demands our soul, our life, and our all. So we, we put ourselves in the offering bucket this morning, Lord, in response to your great, great love. We thank you for what we've been enabled to give but we give our whole selves to you again and we ask that you would lead us into a life of giving our gifts and our time and our love and our resources too to honour your wonderful name. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Lovely. Thanks, Richard. That's brilliant. Um, It's funny, on Friday encounter, we were just sat